When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is up? It is GC Live. I'm Wes Mitchell. He is Chris Clark. Welcome in Wednesday episode of the show. We're turning the page to Arkansas. It is time to talk about South Carolina's week two opponent. But first, got to tell you about our buddy Clint Hammond of the Mortgage Network. ClintHammond.com, 803-771-6933 is how you can call Clint. I can't put it any other way. Clint is the man, the best mortgage broker in Columbia. Give him a shout if you want to buy a new home or you're just kind of curious about how the process works. His NMLS number is 71597. Normally, Chris, in the past, this is where I would say things like, hey, interest rates are low. Go buy a house right now. That is false. Interest rates are not low. However, Clint can still help you come up with a plan to get you in a home and sort of talk you through this process, give you an idea of what you're going to be dealing with now, what rates may look like you know, two years from now, and just kind of get a greater feel for how all this works. So again, give Clint a shout, clinthammond.com. As we turn our attention to Arkansas, Chris, I know you've watched some of Arkansas's win over Cincinnati. You know, I think on the surface, very impressive week one win by the Razorbacks. If you beat a top 25 team in week one, um, that's nothing for us to sit here and just completely dismiss and dissect and, you know, say it doesn't count and and stuff like that. However, I know you were going through the game this morning. Not quite the same Cincinnati team that they put on the field last year. Obviously, in some cases, not the Arkansas team that was on the field last year either. So what, I guess, Chris, for people that didn't watch that game, are a couple of initial takes on what they may have missed there. Let me let me take over the controls of the show and put this up, Wes. Travis Edwards, he nailed it. Good kicker and fewer mental mistakes. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, we don't have the little soundboard yet. We'll do that one day. Cincinnati, I did not realize because I didn't get to watch that game on Saturday. Had to go back and watch the whole thing, and they made a lot of mental mistakes. Um, and, and I want to go back to – I want to properly credit Arkansas, and we'll talk about that throughout. I'll, I'll talk about it in a minute. But, you know, Cincinnati recovered an Arkansas fumble on the Arkansas, I think, five-yard line. Came away with no points. They had four penalties, like back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back, basically. Um, were forced into kicking a field goal. Kicker dinged it off the post. Earlier in the game, the kicker missed a short field goal. Uh, they missed – Multiple op- other opportunities to score. There was a, a pass that was high that could have been caught. Probably couldn't have been caught in the end zone. There are a few deep balls that they missed on that could have had a minimum extended drives. There was another one, Wes, where uh, they had a third and 15, Cincinnati did, had a really good screenplay called, got down to about the one-yard line, called back due to penalty. Lined up for a field goal, penalty on that, 
Then they had to punt. Um, Arkansas scored a touchdown with, I think, a minute 15 on the clock or something right before the half. Ended up scoring a touchdown. It looked like they were content to maybe just run the clock out, and Cincinnati gave up an explosive run. So they played very poorly. So an impressive win for Arkansas for sure, but I think it just kind of illustrated that the the visiting team did not play very well in that one. You know, I, I thought it was interesting, Chris, um, and Pete Limbo brought this up, by the way, if you want to be – if you want to learn about anything and everything, um, you never know what you're going to get when Pete Limbo talks to the media. Go check out his video. We'll have that posted on uh, the Gamecock Central YouTube, which you should subscribe to, by the way. Um, so Limbo talked about how college football, you have these trends and just, you know, every given week maybe just has a storyline that pops out and becomes a thing. How about special teams, the good, the bad, and the ugly across college football being a factor? It kind of does make you appreciate, I believe, a bit just how prepared South Carolina quite generally has been throughout the Shane Beamer era on the special team side of things. Um, you know, no, nobody ever plays a perfect game. They, you know, they had the, the one errant snap. But otherwise, to be able to impact the game the way they did. Um, you know, even, Chris, I'll look at the offense and the defense. Yes, there were some penalties in the game, but I think all of them, most of them, if not all of them, were what I would call active penalties where you are physically trying to make a play. That doesn't mean you always do the right thing. <laughs> and sometimes those are even mental errors themselves but it's a mental error while playing fast. It's a it's a tick decision when a ball is in the air for a DB. We know, we all know sometimes it's, oh, he made a great aggressive play. Sometimes it's defensive pass interference. Mm-hmm. The offensive P.I. on Stogner, you know, it was the right call. Probably doesn't need to extend his hands. But point being, when you see Cincinnati have the issues they had, and we know they have a great head coach. We know you don't get to the college football playoff from their spot without being a pretty good program. It does let you appreciate that that South Carolina, I think, was prepared at least as far as those things go in this game. And it was an emphasis because, remember, last year, first couple of games, tons of penalties. So, you know, if we're going to dissect and talk about the O-line and talk about the offense looks the same, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Let's, uh, let's also point that out compared to some other things that are going on around college football. Yeah, and it's a great point here from our guy WJM41. Got to figure out how to start better. And part of that is playing a clean game. I mean, it is – you know, that's one of those things that I think you can say anyway, just kind of like run the football, stop the run, play a clean game. You know, you can say that. But especially when you look at South Carolina in last season – so, first few games especially, way too many procedural penalties. That You've got to avoid that. Got to avoid that uh, on the road. But you also have to start faster on offense. And we saw both those things last season. South Carolina was very poor road team last year. Very poor road team. Big difference in how they played at home, how they played on the road for the most part. And so, now you're going into a game where, yeah, game one, you did a, a nice job playing. You know, most of the penalties you got – you could probably say all of them in game one. It wasn't excessive. 
you got those penalties because you're being too aggressive, which is you're generally okay with that. What was it? Three, maybe two or three defensive PIs and, and one offensive PI. I think there was a hold in there on the offense. Aggressive, active yeah. play, like you said. Um, you can't go on the road and be in position to kick a field goal and get a delay of game, which is what happened to Cincinnati. Or, you know, have a big, just big back-breaking penalties at very inopportune times in big situations. Got to avoid that. And then, obviously, you have to start faster, you know, against a team that where, A, you're on the road, B, you're stepping up the talent level. I, I thought Pete Limbo had another interesting point today. He talked about the buy-in on special teams and the fact that um, it's kind of, South Carolina special teams are kind of starting to become, for lack of a better way to say it, a thing. And they're kind of getting known for that. And I, I think the next step, and from what Limbo has said, this is kind of happening. The next step is that your special teams become such a thing that guys start saying, hey, coach, I, I want to be on – you got a spot for me on special teams. I'm a starter, but I want to be involved in special teams. And, you know, Limbo, I don't believe, gave specific details on that. But we always talk about buy-in and, and coaches that can get the guys to buy into special teams. I think there are levels to that. And what you're probably seeing right now, based on Limbo's comments and just based on common sense, they're probably looking out there saying – Special teams actually look fun. And, I mean, the reaction to the the fake field goal, a guy, you know, and, and Hunter Rogers who is not going to have um, very many opportunities in his, in his career to run the football, getting an opportunity to go out there and, uh, you know, and, and actually be involved, a – Opportunity for somebody who maybe isn't playing on your two deep or three deep at running back to go block a punt and be highly involved in affecting the game. A quarterback in high school who's now playing safety, getting to score a touchdown in his first ever college game at the University of South Carolina. That stuff looks fun. So I think there's a difference sometimes between special teams We've all seen the special teams approaches where it's like, all right, fair catch every punt. Don't make mistakes. Um, you know, we're just going to be about execution on field goals, punts, nothing extra. Versus the way Beamer said it, being the aggressor on special teams. This is kind of, this is cool because. Every coach talks about special teams. It's like one of those just ad nauseum, just blah, 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 blah. It's one-third of the game. It's crap. But it's crap. Limbo and Beamer, I mean, Beamer was born into this. You you have to be a special – if your last name's Beamer, you better appreciate special teams. But it's been fun to see it happen on the field and to see the guys have so much fun with it as well. Yeah, there is a difference, a clear line between, you know, mentality on special teams of don't get beat versus we're going to beat you. And South Carolina has, under Shane Beamer and Pete Limbo, they have more often than not beat people. And, And that can be something as simple as just executing. 
successfully fielding a, a fair catch punt. Doing the little things, but also doing the big things. We've seen fakes of a different of varieties. We've seen blocks. We, we've seen a lot of different things on special teams to where, you know, they're going to make you prepare for it. And it's something that teams have to always be cognizant of. And it's made a big difference, you know, for this team, which is in the evolution of the program. It's a big deal. It's, it's not something to discount. I think Shane Beamer, when he got the job, you know, he's been here before. This wasn't just a cookie cutter. We're going to take something that, you know, worked somewhere else and we're going to, you know, bring it to South Carolina and try to make it work here. I think he identified and knew that if South Carolina was going to be successful under him, they would have to find some edges. And so one of those edges that he identified was special teams. And, um, you know, it's certainly been beneficial to them under Pete Limbo, which was a great hire for Shane Beamer. You know, I, I think Limbo probably, Chris, every single week is quite literally looking for where, where can I find a guy that's a little bit misaligned? Where can I find a weakness? You know what? Question I have not seen answered that I would love to know the answer for. Maybe I just missed it. I don't think it's been asked. What did they even identify on the field goal, the fake field goal, considering that Georgia State has a new special teams coordinator? Like, I would have loved to know, were, were they going back, looking in his past? You know, what, what, how, how deep did this scout go? in that they identified something and then put it out there. And like, I, that, that was, that was the first field goal lot. Did they score the touchdown first or the first field goal first, Chris? You're talking about on the fake? Yeah. Had, had they already kicked? I don't think they had scored yet. That was the first touch. That was the first score of the year. Right. So, so they, it's not like they had kicked the field goal earlier and been like, Oh yeah, that's what we thought we would see. I'm I'm just curious how they even identified that potential hole. You know, and I think y'all that are listening or watching, correct me if I'm wrong, but I do believe that the special teams coordinator for Georgia State, Arcata Banks, I might have mispronounced it. I apologize if so. I think this is his first year coaching special teams. Like he's one of these guys that's coached like five different positions throughout his career. So I I don't think there's a lot of tape. You can't go back, okay, here's what he did the past three years. So maybe they were basing it off of some stuff that Georgia State did in the past, just under Sean Elliott, if they kept some things the same. Or, yeah. uh, you know, that could be. Or it could just be, hey, based on our personnel, we feel good about this play if they line up like this. There's mm -hmm. probably not. Pete Limbo probably hasn't doesn't see an alignment on a freaking field goal and say, I've never seen that one before. <laughs> like probably yeah. not. So um what what did you see from Arkansas? Obviously, we talked about the game itself a bit, how it played out. I mean, to me, it's gotta start and doesn't end with KJ Jefferson, but it start it certainly <laughs> starts with KJ Jefferson. That's you know, I think if you're a South Carolina fan looking at this game, that's that's got to be your concern. Like, you're sitting there going, 
this guy can do it all. And it it, it kind of breaks the game. Like, from a defensive standpoint, you're sitting there saying, we can do everything right. And he brushes off a tackler, gets the football down the field, has several transfer receivers that are talented guys that have been elsewhere. And that if I'm Clayton White, like that's that's sort of that's the concern. Like I think you're looking at it saying we got to get multiple guys to him. Mm-hmm. However, in the SEC, this big offensive line, sometimes it's hard to get one guy to the quarterback. And you're saying you need to get two of them. Yeah, and I think it does start with Jefferson. There are a lot of challenges here, but Jefferson allows them to run what they want to run. And that is an offense that from a a South Carolina standpoint, a defensive standpoint, is going to be really tough to deal with. Um, Kind of a nightmare in some ways. You've got a quarterback who – is very efficient. Like if you just look, there's a reason KJ Jefferson is getting a lot of buzz coming into this year. You look at what he did last year, 67% of his passes completed over 2,500 yards, 21 touchdowns to just four interceptions. So you made the point earlier today on the, on the Gamecock central takeover in 107.5 that in some ways different offensive style, like different scheme, but it's like Georgia state on steroids. So KJ Jefferson is Darren Granger on you know, a very strong steroid, <laughs> you know, this is a guy who he can throw it. He can certainly run it. And, and here's the problem, Wes. It's not just, you've got a dual threat quarterback. You look at the offensive style, the way they line up, the way they run their plays and administer the offense. Oftentimes KJ Jefferson's taking a snap from the gun and they've got three players in motion, all of who may get the ball or Jefferson's going to keep it, or he's going to throw it on the perimeter or downfield. So it's very much, you know, people think of option football as sitting there going under under center and running the triple option. No, this is an option type of rushing attack. You're going to have an H-back or a wing-back. You're going to have a receiver coming on of different, you know, arc motions or jet sweeps. You're going to have a running back, and then you're going to have Jefferson. So it's um it's really difficult to deal with. The one thing I did see, if if I'm kind of putting on like my defensive coordinator hat, which for Gamecock fans, thank goodness it's not me. KJ Jefferson put up great numbers last week. He was almost 70% completions, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Wonderful line. He struggled actually a little bit on some throws, um, intermediate and deep throws. So I think the game plan is kind of similar. It's going to be a lot more difficult to execute than last week, but it's similar to last week in that your best shot to have success defensively is to get Arkansas into third downs and make K.J. Jefferson beat you through the air, which he can do, but that, to me, is your best shot. Yeah, you know, and again, I think you're talking about levels here. Like, yeah, he, he may beat you, but statistically, percentage-wise, that's probably your best shot is to force him to go prove he can do it. Um I'll say this though, man. I I like Carolina's DBs. Like I I do think this would be an interesting test to see if they can force those third and long situations, which is a huge if. Um, you know, can can Jordan Strong, can Jordan Birch, can they pin their ears back and get to the quarterback against these big, massive as as people are talking about in the comments? They have a six foot nine offensive tackle. Um, 
interesting test right there. However, I you know if they do get in those situations, I feel fairly confident in the defensive backfield at this point and being able to put themselves in a position to cover if they can get some pressure on KJ. And I, you know, man, I think you I mean Nicky Mawari, yeah, he's a true freshman, first time for a road game, first SEC game, all the stuff. Um, doesn't really seem like the guy to be phased by any of this. He just goes out there and, and makes plays. He's got a probably has a little bit of the just he doesn't even know how big the moment is yet. It's kind of like I this is what I do. So <laughs> I um I, I feel good about Carolina's secondary. On the flip side, Chris, if there is an area of Arkansas that you're gonna possibly be able to exploit, it's probably got to be the Carolina passing game hitting an Arkansas secondary that, you know, plays some walk-ons, has some guys banged up. Um, Craig made the point earlier. Shout out, Craig, loyal listener. Um, you know, Cincinnati has a new quarterback, and they were able to at least statistically have success throwing the football. Um, did you get the impression watching the game that there was there's room to operate in the passing game, particularly, Chris, with the caveat we always have, you got to be able to protect it. Yeah, for sure. And I think um, that was evident. I mean, a pretty good stat line from Cincinnati's quarterback, Ben Bryant. And that was despite, I mean, I think I mentioned earlier, he missed several throws that were, you know, potential game breakers. You know, a couple guys, I mean, just think about to the first half, I think, a couple guys that were open down the sideline, you know, one on one side of the field, one on the other, uh, a touchdown pass would-be touchdown pass that he sailed too high. Um, Arkansas and Barry Odom, they, they will send some pressures, so that's something to watch. Um, but when they send four, Cincinnati had time, and um, they were able to find some success, whether it was some intermediate routes, some deep routes. They were able to get a step on some DBs. There were some times, you know, where they would blitz, and they blitzed, and, uh, you know, Cincinnati would have some single coverage. So I think those opportunities are going to be there. On top of that, Wes, they've got a couple guys that have been banged up. And Jalen Catalan um, and Miles Slusher, I think two of their starting safeties, uh, both were banged up and seem kind of questionable for this game. So I think there, there's a lot of conversation around South Carolina, you know, needing to run the ball, fans wanting them to take that jump from week one to week two. They have to do that in this game to win. But when I look at it, I'll put on my OC hat now. I'm looking Man at of it. many talents. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, I'm looking at it going, where are the matchups? And for me, I'm going, here's Spencer Rattler who can make these throws. Here's this secondary. Here are these receivers. I'm trying to find matchups I can identify there and then go after them in the passing game. Well, I think if, if you listen to Marcus Satterfield today, watch the press conference. Um you can tell Sat is a very big fan of Spencer Rattler. Um, Use the word superpower. He said Spencer's superpower is um, being able to go out and, and make things happen outside the pocket. And um, he also said, Chris, that Arkansas does so much, um, you know, defensively up front that it puts you in a position where you have to sort of simplify your your run calls because you know we we think of it outside looking in, like, it's just like NCAA football. This is the run call I make, and then the offense just goes and runs it. Well, for the offensive line itself, 
every single guy, depending on the call itself, depending on whether it's like pin and pull or inside zone, there are certain tweaks they're having to make and how each guy blocks it up based on, you know, is it a three-man front? Is it a four-man front? Um, you know, is it a bear front? Is there is the guy head up on the center? Is he shaded, you know, to his shoulder? Is he actually playing in the gap? All these different things. So Arkansas is very multiple defensively on the defensive line in order to make you prepare to block their front every in every single iteration of it. Um, so that actually could play in South Carolina's favor, in my opinion, because I think the key to this offense, in my opinion, Chris, moving forward, I would continue to chip away, simplify, and then, yes, they have to run the football. But seven is the key to this offense. Seven is the one. We've talked about this, I think, on the radio, maybe not on the show as much. Seven is going to make this thing go for South Carolina. Yeah, Lloyd. Yeah, Jaheim Bell. Yeah, they got to run it a little bit better. Don't get me wrong. I actually think they will. Sneaky, just suspicion that they will. But seven is the guy, if they can get him in a rhythm, that can take this thing up a notch, I think. Well, and and there's a reason that we always, and it's not breaking the mold or saying something super insightful, but, I mean, quarterback's the most important position on the field. I mean, if you have a difference maker at quarterback, then you can go somewhere. And so – did Spencer have his best game game one? Obviously not. Absolutely not. But he also did some things where you go, okay, <laughs> you know, there isn't anybody else on this roster that can do that. And there were f- four or five of those just in that game, in a game where South Carolina didn't have success really offensively. So given opportunities, uh, if he's a little sharper, South Carolina can narrow it down. If it's, hey, Spencer, what do you like here? Um, you know, remember, first game at South Carolina, first game, brand-new offense. There's some reasons that we shouldn't have entered the Georgia State game, game saying, okay, th- this is the finished product. Um, if he if he can play sharper and get, obviously, more help around him, I think there's some matchups in this game. And I almost think it's maybe a – pass to set up the run, you know, type situation if they can get that cooking. But again, I, you know, I'm, we're on the same page. If South Carolina is going to have success in this game and going forward, having Rattler drive that bus, that's got to be it. Fair or not, there is more pressure on him, you know, to be the guy. Well, I mean, you, you look at this pass game, man, like it was mostly the passing game. It was mostly Spencer who put South Carolina in a position to score points. And as uh, Satterfield called him, Pistol Pete Limbo, uh, putting them in a position on special teams as well. I I looked at this matchup, Chris, coming into the season. Y'all probably have heard me say it multiple times. I said it was the most important game of the year. And um, I certainly said it was one of, it was the most important game of the first half of the year. And that was my belief for the entire offseason. And my my thought process was, I was sitting there and I was saying, for one, I thought Georgia would take a little step back. And week one information, for one, we don't know if Oregon is all that great, but we know Georgia for a week one, they 
They were very impressive for a team that lost a lot. Rolled right in there. Um, my thought process coming in was, okay, South Carolina goes into this Arkansas game with an opportunity because I feel like there's a there are parallels between these two programs. Pittman and Beamer were both kind of more of the, we're going to make a fit higher as opposed to just blindly take the big name and go get him. Pittman's one year ahead of Beamer as far as, you know, having his stamp on his program. But they both, for their respective divisions, are like kind of the little trendy preseason dark horse surprise pick. Chris, my thought coming in was, I think it's a tough game, but a winnable game for South Carolina. If you win it, you all of a sudden, you being South Carolina, are like the trendy, hey, South Carolina just started 2-0, 1-0 in the SEC. Could they contend with Georgia? You got Georgia coming to town, massive show, showdown. At that point, you're 2-0. Now that game week is here, I, I almost am hesitating to feel that way. About it being the most important game? Yes. Yeah. Because I think South Carolina still a bit more of a work in progress than I maybe anticipated. I still I tend to think the offense can get a good bit better the more I look at it as the year goes on. How much that looks like from week one to week two, you know, I, I don't know. And then I look ahead and I was looking at that Georgia game, like, all right, you know, if Carolina comes in with confidence, incredible atmosphere. Maybe they're in a position to compete with Georgia. Now, you know, ask me again next week, obviously. But that that looks like a really, really tough game. Now, Chris, I look at it more of like, okay, this is a great opportunity for this team if they win the game. Not the end of the world if they lose it. Yeah, that's how I saw it coming in. Um, not that Not that you feeling that way was wrong, you know, because we knew, look, Coming in, just kind of big picturing the se- the season for South Carolina. I think as you typically do with this team in its current iteration and its current evolution, you kind of sort the games in the buckets before the season. Say so here, based on what we know preseason, you know here here are the wins, and typically there's not a ton of <laughs> automatic, so to speak, W's right now in in the program's evolution. You say here are the Games where they're not going to be favored and it's going to really be tough. And then there's some in the middle, your toss-up games. And so those are going to be the ones like Arkansas and probably Tennessee who can score in buckets, um, you know, Missouri and Kentucky. And so you knew that if South Carolina is wants to get back to a bowl, A, B, take a, an additional step forward in 22, they were going to have to steal one of those games. You know, you're going to have to win a couple toss-ups or steal another game. And so the Arkansas game was one of those toss-ups, you know. Um, I kind of always looked at it as, you know, okay, out of your first three games, you got to play Georgia and you got to go on the road to Arkansas. I, Wes, always kind of saw it as, you know, Kentucky or Missouri. Those are more critical games. I don't think this one's as critical because you look at Georgia. I still think – I thought everybody predicting the demise of Florida – that early was a little premature. They're still in there. Tennessee can score, you know, probably with most anybody. That'll be interesting. Kentucky's still there. You know, 
but it's still, I, I see it exactly how you, what you've arrived at. That's how I've seen it and still see it. It's a great opportunity. If you win, if you don't, the season is not over. That's pretty much exactly how I see it. Yeah. And I do think there will be a good bit of, you know, it's not going to lead sports center. Not that anybody even necessarily watches sports center anymore, but the, the lead, like, You'll get some good national and at least conference-wide love if you're South Carolina and you pull this off because I think it's the type of game people will take notice of because Arkansas is a program on the rise. I, I also think, Chris, I was kind of thinking about this today, it's a little bit of a scary game for Gamecock fans because you don't necessarily have that kind of familiarized, like, you don't see Arkansas. Very much like this is not a South Carolina has not played Arkansas um, in a while, so it's not the teams you like are comfortable with from a fan base standpoint, just because you don't have any reason to watch them unless you just really are one of those fans that does their due diligence and like watches every opponent, every opportunity you have. So there's a little bit of just kind of I don't want to say uneasiness, but just kind of all right, what what does this team look like? What can I expect? And, um, you know, I don't know if the fan base knows what to expect in this game, but we shall certainly see. Chris, um, Beamer was asked on Tuesday about that Arkansas game. <sighs> the Darren McFadden game. God. You already know. Yes. That game. What do, you, what do you remember about that game? Oh, I remember a lot of running backs running for Arkansas. Darren McFadden, I think I looked it up earlier, Wes. Are you pulling up the stats? The I can, uh, I can effort that for you. So, you know, Felix Jones had a nice leisurely day, too, with a bunch of yards. I'm, I'm almost positive he was well over 100. And I think Peyton – Over 150, actually. Over 150, yeah. And Peyton Hillis is the third running back in limited carries. I think rushed for like eight yards a carry, too. Um Completely insane. I mean, Wes, the the story that the story that Beamer told was hilarious about a coach drawing up something. Whatever, I don't know what he drew. It, it might have just been like a joke. Like he was probably he was just drawing all the things and then just a big hole for Darren McFadden to run through. That's pretty much what was schemed up for that game. So I, I have this little bit of a theory, Chris. Um, oh, here we that, go. That game was so bad that, um, first of all, everyone knows exactly what game you're talking about. If you say that Arkansas game or you say the Darren McFadden game. Um, Chris, there are a lot of moments, if you're like a diehard fan, you maybe look back. I'm about to hurt some feelings. You look back at like the Navy loss. And... It's like an actual, probably for some people, punch to the gut. Like they actually relive a little bit of the hurt from experiencing that game the first time. That Tennessee loss that kept South Carolina from being able to go to Atlanta again uh, when they should not have lost to Tennessee during the Spurrier era. Like there are gut punch games. And then there are games that were so absolutely outrageous that your team had something happen to them 
that was so freaking ridiculous that all you can do when you look back is do what Beamer did and actually smile and just shake your head and laugh. That game, he was so good that that game didn't even hurt Gamecock fans looking back. It's almost like, hey, remember that time? Remember that time? Like, if you're maybe a former player, remember that time you got hit so hard you forgot what day it was? This game is like, remember that time Darren McFadden single-handedly put himself back in the Heisman Trophy conversation based on his, at the time, SEC record-rushing performance against our defense and then Felix Jones rushed for 160 yards and three touchdowns of his own. And then we were still in a position to possibly win the game in the fourth quarter. That's what I remember about that game. Yeah, I mean, that is insane. I mean, that so that was – was that the one, Wes, where Blake Mitchell heated up at the end of the game? That um, – Or was that a different Arkansas game? No, no, no. You're thinking of Arkansas game – at Williams Bryce, where uh, Williams Bryce, yep, he yep. came in for Savelle. And yeah, he went freaking sniper mode. Yeah, he ran out. He basically ran out of time. Yes, I mean, that, and that, Sidney that, Rice made one of the best catches of his career. That's right. Okay, okay, yeah, in front of the student section. So yeah, I mean, and and Wes, the hilarious thing, somebody brought it up in the chat. Darren McFadden even he got bored and threw a touchdown too in the game. Okay, Casey Dick. Through he had to throw the ball 10 times, two touchdowns, 86 yards, 10 times. That's it. Another – give me a ruling on this, Wes. Is the SEC title game against Auburn in the laugh territory because Cam Newton was like the Terminator? I feel like that one hurt because it was a title game. That one hurt the Carolina fans a little bit more. And you had like the Hail Mary where you're like, this shouldn't have happened. It wasn't just like, okay, they're completely – I mean, for much of the game, Cam Newton was just completely unstoppable. But – Yeah, I I think that game, you genuinely had Carolina fans that had convinced themselves South Carolina was winning its first SEC championship. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a couple of things – bounce the right way because obviously that same Auburn team, Carolina went to Auburn, was in a position to win that game and went right down to the wire Yep, with them. And so you're sitting there going, you know, Carolina can compete in this thing. And then it just did not happen. It did sort – it is kind of – I feel like when you witness greatness against your team – it, in the moment, it sucks. But when you look back, it's kind of like a thing of respect. Mm-hmm. Of, well, remember that time, Cam Newton. Remember that time, Darren McFadden. Remember that time, Tim Tebow had like seven touchdowns. Um, the same year as the Darren McFadden game, I think. I was just going to look that up. So I was going to bring up another one of the like. Are you? This one does have a little bit of, of a different feel because the the utter destruction in this game was so extreme. 
that I, I feel like this one might be outside of the like you just smile about it. This one's just like, oh yeah. Like it's almost like somebody died. 2008, the next year, 56 to 6, Florida demolition of South Carolina, ranked South Carolina. They were 25 at the time. Percy Harvin did a Darren McFadden impression. He had eight carries for 167 yards and two touchdowns. That's 20.9 yards a carry. Tim Tebow, just leisurely day at the office, a couple touchdowns. That was the game when South Carolina tried to do a throwback pass on a kickoff, I think. And it just completely blew up. And you're right. So the same year as the Arkansas game, South Carolina was more in it. They lost by 20. They gave up 51. Tebow had seven touchdowns, two passing, five rushing. Yep. Somebody's yeah, Trey said y'all have gone down a deep rabbit hole. I know. What are, what are we doing here? It's okay. Can't can we are we gonna allot any time during the show? I've taken us off the rails to discuss my road record. Please. Because well, I've done the research, it's on a piece of paper. Pete Limbo brought a sheet of notes to the press conference. I have brought one to the show today. All right, Chris, let me ask you one question first. Are you going to join us on GC Live from Arkansas? Well, we got to find a good location. Yeah, that's – I need you to do a um, – oh, God, who was it? Todd Blackledge, Toast oh. of the Town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Style. If anybody no. in the chat has been to Arkansas – Yes. Give Chris, give us your sort of like diners, drive-ins, and dives style best restaurant. Yeah. And then, Chris, uh, maybe you can check in on Friday from the spot, or maybe certainly like after you can give us a rundown of what it is. But what is your road record? And are there any trends to the games you go through? All right. So to back up, I have been uh, I'm closing in on finishing out the SEC stadium tour. Uh, out of the 14 teams, I've obviously been to South Carolina. I've been to 12 other stadiums. The only one that we have left is Alabama, which we will hit, I believe, in 24, 2024. Road game at Alabama. All the other ones have been to. So, uh, 11 games on the road. Record in those games, Wes, in terms of South Carolina, six and five. Okay. But more interesting than that is I have picked some doozies over the years. Okay. Let, let me give you the breakdown 2007 Tennessee. Three-point overtime loss for South Carolina. 2010 Auburn, eight-point South Carolina loss. Hey, 2007 Tennessee, was South Carolina down 21 nothing. That's right. That That's right. And ended up coming back. That was a great football Great game. Overtime, Ryan Suckup missed a 41-yard field goal. Lost the game. Was there a false start? There might have been. On a field goal that screwed 
something up, or is that? I feel like you're remembering correctly. I do know that Ryan Suckup missed a field goal, and that was the last play of the game. So, you got that one. Okay. So, Tennessee 07, Auburn 2010. 2011 UGA, that was the Melvin Ingram fake punt game. That was ridiculously wild. Um, 2012 LSU, two-point loss uh, for South Carolina. The 2013 Missouri game, I know you were at that one, Wes. Two overtime win for South Carolina. The 2014 game at Florida, overtime win for the Gamecocks. Uh, A kind of boring one, Mississippi State 2016. 13-point loss for the Gamecocks. Then a t- oh, two, yeah. 2017 A&M, seven-point loss. Carolina was up in that one. Ole Miss in 18, 48-44, wild game. And then two other ones were uh, Kentucky in 2008. That was a good game. Uh, Steven Garcia came in. Yeah, that was a good game. Carolina won by seven. And then... Uh, Vandy in 2010. That was the Tory Gurley 14 catch game. 21 to seven Carolina. So all told, Wes. All right, 11 games, six and five. Average margin of victory for any team, six points, and three overtime games. So point is, if you are betting on the game this weekend, I will be there inside Donald Reynolds. So. Yeah, maybe pick a pick a close game. I, I, I'm not even. I'm not saying take Carolina. Maybe pick a close game. Maybe pick an overtime game if there's some kind of prop bet about that. So Chris is saying Gamecocks by six in overtime is, <laughs> uh, I believe, what he's saying. That would be wild, but that would be very fitting. I would not be surprised at all anymore. There you go. Which, yes, could happen if Carolina didn't get the ball first, then Arkansas didn't score. And then they scored a touchdown. There it is. So that's wow, wow. If that if that happens, we're gonna put this video on YouTube. <laughs> Just of that, not the rest of it. Oh man! All right, I think that's all I got for today, man. We're at forty six mark. What what else you got, Chris? You got any lingering thoughts on I, the Razorbacks? I, no, I dumped my thoughts with that. We went way down the rabbit hole. Woo! Yeah. We we went back to some history, uh, but more more coming this week. Um, Wes, I know you put up the promo. I'll part with that. First year of Gamecock Central for just ten dollars. Come join us. We'd love to have you. Insider report went up this morning with you know I think even more detail some of what we discussed today, Wes. Um, after I got a chance to watch Arkansas and Cincinnati, wrote out some of my thoughts on that. I know you will have later this week your pregame thoughts. I'm looking forward to reading that from Fayetteville. Yes, sir. Um, we're going to, we're working on getting an Arkansas guest for Thursday. Be on the lookout for that. Uh, we'll get you somebody good. Um, but Hey, Dion the corn breakout game against Arkansas. Arkansas. Yep. Yep. And yep. Uh, I remember thinking South Carolina's found their second receiver because Kenny McKinley was their, their first, like they found him. Man, I, yeah. I, I, whenever I think of Deion McCorn, I always get a little bit sad because that injury just sort of ne- never seemed to be quite the same uh, from the spring game. I don't know. I don't have a good positive note to leave you all on. I guess I'll, I'll give one. I'll give one. Okay. 
it's all related to Dion McCorn so that we don't have to be depressed leaving. Um, and you can clown me for it. We were playing church league flag football at my church, and here comes a guy lining up across from me, and it is Dion LaCorn after his playing days were over. And um didn't go great. For me. You. <laughs> <laughs> is there any video of this? Oh no, no. I hope not. So I was, it wasn't that bad. You? Yeah. It well, it wasn't that bad, but I mean it, it was I think he was just kind of probably not trying very hard against somebody like me. Yeah, no NIL opportunities in the church league. No, it was uh it's not legal back then and wouldn't have gone to me if it was. Travis said you tried to jam him at the line. Um he was no. a big guy. That that probably not, not no, that would have been a, a horrific idea. I stood pretty far back. Smart. Very <laughs> smart. Very self-preservation. Yes, yes. All right, y'all, that's going to do it. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Then uh, Chris is going to join us from somewhere in Arkansas. Um, shout out Beckham dropping the Lou Holtz quote. Um, it's not the end of the world, but you can see it from there. So, Chris, good luck getting out there, man. And uh, we'll see all of you soon. Again, Arkansas guests on Thursday. Appreciate y'all joining us. Uh, we'll see you then. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.